One thing I'm sure of, there will not be any electronics in heaven. Amen. You don't have to worry about them working or not working, the right setting, is it off, is it on, or nothing. It'll just, it'll all be glorious. Amen. Glorious, that's for sure. When you preach every week, you have a plan, and I always planned out my sermons for a year at a time, and I knew what I was going to preach and the areas I was going to cover, and I felt like, well, this needs to be covered, but I'm going to cover it later on. But when you preach occasionally, and like here once, what, what does the Lord want me to say? And so it, it took some time to prayer and contemplation, got it down to two, and then even just last night, got it down to, to one that I feel the Lord wants me to share with you today. Some of you know that uh, may know that I'm a big Braves fan. Uh, I'm not a baseball fan so much as a Braves fan. Uh, I have some friends who go to spring training every year, and I've gone a couple times. Joel's gone, and they like to sign everybody and anybody, and I just want the Braves. That's really Now, there are a few big names I wouldn't pass by, of course, along the way. But just like... Cross Plains Christian Church, 92 years. That's a long time. Woodstock Christian Church is 41 years old. So y'all more than twice as old as Woodstock Christian. And your history has a lot of important things to keep in mind. As you look to the past and remember all that God has done through you and through the missions that you've supported, and also, it's a time to look forward, to look ahead, to remember what really is the church all about. One of the central figures in the history of baseball is Casey Stingle. He was the manager of the New York Yankees boo, from 1949 to 1960. During that time, they won seven World Series championships. Now, when his days as a player were over, he went and got a position in a very little minor league team. But he had an objective. He had a goal. He had something he was working towards. And that was to become a manager in the big leagues. One day he got a call from the owner of the then Brooklyn Dodgers and said, I want you to come up and manage the team. He said, I'm there. Well, the Brooklyn Dodgers owner said, but you're under two contracts where you are. You're the general manager and you're the field manager. How are you going to get out of two contracts? He said, leave that to me. So he sat down at his desk and wrote out a letter as general manager, firing himself as the field manager. Then he wrote a letter to the owner of the team, resigning as general manager for making such a terrible decision of firing such a great manager as himself. And thus, he began his career as a manager in the big leagues. He had a goal. And when that opportunity came, he found a way to attain that goal. Ninety-two years, Cross Plains Christian Church has been doing the work of the Lord. And it's important for us to understand 
what the work of the Lord is. My dad was a preacher, so I've grown up in the church. I had two uncles who were preachers. My brother's a preacher. My son's a preacher. There's just something bad in our genes. I don't know what it is. Or maybe something very good. But in the years of working with the church as a preacher's kid, as a preacher, there's a question that comes up far too often within the church. And that question is, well, what's in it for me? When decisions need to be made and things need to be adjusted and programs discussed, far too often the question is not, what does the kingdom need? What does Jesus need? It's what's in it for me. And when that gets into the church, that can be very dangerous. But even preachers can get into that today. If you read and study and go to the seminars, you know, uh, your goal as a preacher is to build a mega church. No, not really. It's to serve the Lord. It's to preach the Word. And whatever happens during that ministry is what God wants to happen. Church secretary had opened the mail and was delivering a piece of mail to the, to the preacher and said, well, there's good news, preacher. Your article on church growth has been accepted by the Leadership Journal. The bad news preacher is they put it in the humor section. Some of the ideas that we come up with just don't work, do they? We do our best, and that's all that God asks us to do. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of of the Lord, knowing that your toll is not in vain in the Lord. What is the work of the Lord? The work of the Lord is what the church, what Christians, what we are called to do. Now when Jesus left this world, he instructed his disciples to go into all the world and share the gospel. But earlier than that, he had had to deal with those 12 men fighting about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Again, worldly attitudes, mistaught Jewish thought about the kingdom of God. We all need to be careful that we don't fall into such thinking. When we truly believe in God, what's in it for me? Is not a question we should be asking. If we truly believe in God, we believe that God is the creator of all things. If we truly believe in God, we believe that God is the owner of all things. I own nothing. Everything is just borrowed for a little while. 
if we truly believe that God blesses us, then we know we've been blessed abundantly. God owes us nothing. We owe him everything. And when we understand that, that should stop us from ever asking the question, well, what's in it for me? Today, I want us to see from just one passage of Scripture some of the things that God has already given you if you're a Christian. And as we understand what God has already given us as a Christian, or if you're not a Christian here today, you need to see what God is willing and ready to give you if we come in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us and the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his administration suitable through the fullness of Christ and the purpose in Him. Excuse me, I jipped a line there. That is the summing up of all things in Christ. Things in the heavens, things on the earth. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose to work all things after the counsel of His will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. In Him also you, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. Now you have to read that kind of fast because verses 12 2 through 14 is one sentence in the Greek text. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was just writing as fast as he could, exclaiming and exclaiming the glory of being a Christian. And of some of the things that God had done for him and for every Christian. I'm going to share just four out of this passage of Scripture because I want to go eat after we're through. If we did them all, we'd just preach right through it. and Y'all would be mad. I know you would. Verse 3. Back to verse 3. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, in our modern-day world, we could say, well, you know, that's just, oh, that, that was first century, that was Paul, that was, you know. 
But Paul was in prison when he wrote these words. Paul was in prison for simply preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet in prison, he could write about the glories of being a Christian. External things were not important because he was in Christ. In Christ we are chosen. Now this is a special and wonderful truth. The first step of us even being able to be a Christian was the step God took. God chose a plan whereby we could be saved from our sin. And it was a costly plan. It cost him his only son. Coming in the flesh so that he could die. If God had not chosen to provide a plan, what hope would we have? None. Now we don't believe that infants, if an infant dies, we don't believe that infant goes to hell. We believe they're born innocent. They don't stay innocent very long. (laughs) But they're born innocent and they go to heaven. But if they live long enough, they join the rest of us. The fall under Romans. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not some of us. I'm a preacher's kid. Surely that sends me straight to heaven, right? No. Doesn't send Joel straight to heaven either. But we've all sinned. And fallen short of what God wanted and needed from us that would to be His glory. We can make the choice to come back to God only because He has chosen a plan of salvation. If God had not chosen us, we would have no hope. If Jesus had not chosen to leave heaven, take on flesh, die on the cross, we would have no hope. So what's in it for me? Because of Christ, I'm forgiven. I'm going to go to heaven. And this life is a life filled with blessings. Struggles? Yeah. Tragedies even? Yeah. But overall, blessings. You cannot put a price or a value on the salvation that we receive. Paul was inspired by God to write some wonderful words. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the course. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. But when it came for Paul to describe in a short, one simple statement what 
his understanding of being able to be called and chosen by God. He could only write, thank God for his unspeakable or indescribable gift. He had been through things I would not want to go through. But he still concluded the gift of being chosen was the greatest of all. In Christ, we are adopted. I'm fiddling with all this because it doesn't feel right. But in Christ, we're adopted. Cute little story. Deep in the woods, a young turtle was desperately trying to climb up a tree. Finally climbed up the tree, climbed out on the limb, jumped off, flapped his little legs, smack. <gasps> Shook it off, back, climbed up, off to the limb, jumped off, smack. After several times of this, over on another limb, the mama bird said to daddy bird, I think it's time to tell him he's adopted. As mo many of you know, this last Monday, after waiting a long time, our grandson became legally and officially our grandson. Three different dates in the court of Cherokee County now we'll put it off. The judge must have had to go golfing or something. I don't know. But finally, the date came. And we were there. And I want to let you know, if you are of the generation that believes that adoption is a second-class citizen, you are wrong. And why can I say you're wrong? Because if you're a Christian, you're an adopted child of God. You don't adopt a child that's already yours. By birth, that child's yours. You don't have to adopt them. But because of sin, we are not the children of God anymore. We have been kicked out of the family of God. A holy God cannot have unholy children. And the only way we can get back into the family of God is to be adopted back in. Now, do you want to be a second-class Christian? No, you don't. Do you want, well, I'm a real child of God. You're an adopted child of God. Well, there's no such thing. We're all adopted. And I love Trevor just as much as I love Ella and Abby. Now, Ella's special because she was the first. In six years, she was the only. And then last year, we were blessed with two more. And it is a blessing. The basic New Testament teaching is that we're born innocent, 
but we lose that innocence. And only in Christ can we be adopted back in to the family of God. And we are heirs. Not way down the list. Not, well, what's left over. We are heirs with Christ. In Christ we're redeemed. Redemption requires a price. I looked up the word redeem in the dictionary. To regain possession of by paying a price. The Greek word, won't even bother saying it, doesn't mean anything to you, means the same thing out of the lectionary. To buy back a slave or captive. We need to understand what it means when someone is lost so that we can appreciate what it means to be saved. To be redeemed. It's much like adoption. We weren't in the family of God because of sin. But we've been redeemed. The price has been paid, and that's by Christ. And prior to that, we are slaves of sin. The Bible tells us that. Now, we don't like to hear that. We're actually slaves of Satan. A couple of years ago, Barna did a survey of Americans about their understanding of life after death. And for every five Americans who said, I'm going to hell, there were 120 who said they were going to heaven. I wish that were true. But that's not what Jesus said about how narrow the road is and how broad the other road is. And until we as the church understand the need for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with anybody and everybody we can, those numbers are going to be bad. We have to share the work. Numerous scriptures remind us that without Christ... We're lost. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. The curse of the law is you had to do everything. You had to be 100%. How many of you would like to go to school and 100% is passing, anything less is failure? That's kind of a high standard, isn't it? Well, that's God's standard. You want to go to heaven on your own? You've got to be absolutely perfect. Well, what's another plan? Jesus. And only Jesus. We've been redeemed. Galatians 4, 7, Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son than an heir through God. We cannot ignore or forget that sin separates a human being from God. If you grew up in church, grew up in church camp, grew up in VBS, you remember a little chorus. 
I've been redeemed. How many of you remember that little chorus? I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So. When you're old, you don't ever leave your notes, you know. <laughs> Filled with the Holy Spirit I am, and my sins were washed away, I've been redeemed. Apparently in Virginia, they sing a different version. Maybe, no, but not the, right version. the right version. <laughs> that, that's my wife, in case you didn't know. 44 years. Last, in Christ, we know the mystery of God. How many of you like mysteries? I do. But you know on television and, and movies, too often they give away the end too quick. I like to know it at the end. Yeah. It's more exciting that way. But it's far too important for the world to know the end story. And so God isn't waiting till the end to tell them the mystery He's told us the mystery in Christ Jesus. And the mystery is that God loves us enough to want to save us. Why? That's a mystery. That's just because he's a God of love. But he's also a God of justice, and so a price has to be paid. And Jesus paid that price. And the mystery of God's love has been revealed. The Bible tells us that at the end, when Jesus returns, people will calling for the rocks to fall on them. They'll be crying out, who can stand before the judgment seat of Christ? For on our own, no one can stand. But in Christ, and only in Christ, will we be able to stand. Before that judgment. There are different ways people look at the end. Open the book of life and they're going to read your history and we hope not, right? <laughs> we hope that some say, well, he's going to look at your whole life. And you're going to go, can we move on? But then he's going to go, oh. Your name's written down here. You're okay. Because my son took care of it. My son paid the price. But if you have not chosen Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you will have to stand on your own. And it will not be pleasant. It will not be joyful. If you've not yet decided to become a Christian, in Christ, be chosen. In Christ, be adopted. In Christ, be redeemed. 
in Christ. No, the mystery, what life is all about. And it's Jesus. Good news of salvation. What's in it for me? Wow. Wow. There's even more in that passage I didn't talk about. What's in it for our neighbor who doesn't know Jesus? Who's going to tell him? I'm going to call Joel and have him go by. How about you? Talking about Jesus. How about you living for Jesus? How about you loving in Jesus' name? The decision hymn, the invitation hymn, we're about to share that. Everyone in this room has a decision to make. As a member of this church, is it going to be what's about, what's in it for me? Or is it, what does the Lord want? What does the world need? What kind of church does Jesus want this to be? He's already given me so many things. I can never give him enough back. So whatever I offer, it's imperfect. But it's all I've got. And I am thankful for grace. For only by that grace can I stand before Jesus. Stand and sing for the last team. Into Jesus for the cleansing power Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Trusting in His grace this hour, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow, washed in the blood of the Lamb?